0: Hello and welcome to the Convention of States Legacy Podcast, a weekly program that looks back on historic content from our archives. We hope you are educated and inspired by today's edition. In today's episode, the Convention of States Minnesota team holds a rally at the Capitol in 2018. Special speakers include Convention of States Action President Mark Meckler, state legislators, and Fox & Friends co-host Pete Hexon.
1: back to the states right yeah so we got a lot of swamp to drain and convention of states is the first start Um, along with our president Trump because I love him I want to give a shout out to all the individuals uh, that traveled here from my district 8B they came from the Ottertail in Douglas County so a shout out to them Hello, yeah there you are there you are I got people behind me to the left of me and I'm the only joker in the middle so <laughs> thanks again you guys have fun
2: okay who's next Thank you
0: well good afternoon how are you? How are you? All right. I'm Jim Newberger, State Representative for Minnesota House District 15B. Uh, you know what, folks, we have to get our financial house in order. Our nation is twenty-three trillion dollars in debt. Twenty-three trillion dollars. Our grandparents and our parents did not hand that kind of a future off to us, and we have no right to hand that kind of a future off to our children or our grandchildren. We've got to balance this budget, and we're gonna do that. Once again, my name is Jim Newberger. I'm tempted to go on because I'm a politician and you're clapping, but I'm gonna get off the stage. Thank you very much.
2: All right, Senator Tory Westrom.
0: First, I'm going to introduce my son, getting an education today, Carter, joining me. And, uh, great, great to have you here. You're going to have to continue making a lot of noise today and days after. Uh, I'm Senator Tory Westrom from District 12, uh, Stearns County, all the way west to the Dakota borders, District 12. We are here because Ronald Reagan was right in the 1980s when he said government is like a baby. It's got an insatiable appetite at one end and no sense of responsibility at the other. And that is why we are here and that is why the states need to assert their power under Article 5 and rein in the federal government. Thank you for coming. Make some noise.
3: All right, here comes some more. Representative Calvar, 31B, North Anoka County. Any of my uh, North Anoka County fellows here? Okay, so I could echo what everybody else has said, that we, we need to do this to rein in the federal government. They're not going to be responsible on their own. They're just like your teenager, turned loose with the car and the keys for the first time. Don't expect them to bring it back in one piece. Uh, Yeah, there you go. Credit cards the same way. It's time to chop up that federal credit card right there. So we've had a few folks out here, and I know plenty of your friends have said, hey, you know, the thing. this could happen, that could happen, the other thing could happen. It's time that we, each one of us, educate our neighbor. Go pull those convention calls from the 1787 convention and read what it says. It was not a runaway convention. They did exactly what they were charged to do, which was fix the federal government, stop charging a tariff between the states, make commerce regular, which is exactly what the new constitution says, to make commerce regular, not regulate, and uh, common currency between the states to promote trade. That's what they went, that's what they did, and it's got out of control. Now the federal government controls everything, right up to your wallet, the way you your liberties everything you do say is controlled by the federal government in one way or another and it's time to end that practice and bring it back home to the states where you can exercise more freedom more liberty and live your life the way you want to live it All right. okay Cal that was pushing the
2: time limit a little bit but it was so eloquent we'll let you get away with it. <laughs> now Senator Roger <laughs> Good afternoon and
4: welcome to the rotunda. It's good to see people that are here for freedom, for people, for liberty, for this Constitution, and for this country. And without you, there's nothing. So welcome. Thank you. Thanks, Steve. Thank uh, Sue, his uh, wife. Thank you to the other volunteers that continue to fight this uh, uh, through the weeks and months. Thank to Mr. Meckler for coming out and for uh, Mr. Pete Hagseth for. Uh, taking time to speak and to push this issue as well. It just comes down simply, the old motto, there's nothing new under the sun. It's e, it's God we trust, liberty, any e pluribus unum. It is about you the people, we the people, and that's what it comes down to. And that is why we are fighting for this. It is nothing more than that. You, us, and our prosperity and our future. Thank you very much. God bless you. Thank you.
2: Any other state legislators that'd like to come up and introduce themselves?
5: Well, thank you, everybody, for showing up and uh, showing your support, your belief, and your confidence in a constitutional provision that was given to us, you the people, through your state legislatures. Uh, I'd just like to make a couple comments about uh, how this all happened to come about in our new constitution it was because of the reasons mentioned in one of the earlier speakers about the inability to levy taxes to pay for a common defense about the inability to regulate trade that it was virginia who proposed calling a convention of the states in order to talk about the inadequacies of the uh, constitution that was then known as Articles of Confederation. When they called the convention in Annapolis, all the states were invited, but you know they didn't have internet, they didn't have uh, Facebook to communicate with each other, and when they converged on Annapolis, uh, five of the states showed up, five more showed up after it, it was done with, and a few didn't, uh, didn't make it at all. And as a result of that first convention, they had uh, actually passed a resolution amongst themselves that because of the they did have a quorum uh, as such but they decided they would call another convention in May of 1787 so that being done Virginia issued a resolution calling for a convention soon the other states followed and the Philadelphia convention was born the great myth that's flying around all the time is that our founders Uh, exceeded their authority and that the convention was a runaway. First of all, the Continental Congress had no authority over that convention. It was a state convention. It was called by the states. And when the Continental Congress uh, learned of it, it was because of New York. New York, in its uh, delegate resolution, did not give Hamilton and the other two delegates the, the same authority that the other states did. And the other states said do whatever is necessary to the exigencies of the states. And so it was Hamilton that had proposed to the Continental Congress that the convention be limited just to revising the articles. But again, the Continental Congress had no authority over the convention. And so even though he proposed that, it was voted on, it was defeated. And so then they had issued an advisory that they would like to see the uh, attendance at this state convention limit their work to revising the articles. There's absolutely unfounded and unprecedented, the historical facts are there. I have collected all of the actual resolutions from those states from the Library of Congress. And the resolutions are there and these people had the authority. And if you believe this was a runaway convention and that it was illegally adopted, then we're living under an illegal constitution. So John Birchers, I'm sorry folks, but you've got it all wrong and the fact of the matter is that you love the Constitution but you don't love it enough to uh, uh, assent to all of the provisions of the Constitution and that is Article 5 which when you have a situation where the federal government has grown to the extent it is it was George Mason on September 15th of 1787 said to the rest of the delegates we cannot rely solely on Congress to fix any amendments of errors. We cannot pass this constitution without the states having the ability to do it. We're the states, we're creating the federal government, we're giving them power. We need to have that checks and balances. So God bless George Mason. Thank you very much.
2: Are there any other state legislators who would like to come up and introduce themselves and say a word or two. Representative Dwayne Clom, our sponsor in the Minnesota House.
0: Uh, Good afternoon, Patriots, and it's a pleasure to see so many individuals. You've got your own gifts. You're, You're individuals. But we have a gift together, this great nation that our founders created and birthed and we need to return it back to what they desired. Our Constitution and our federal government, they came from the states. And the states got together. There might have been a couple of brawls in it, but they got together and they made the greatest nation we've ever had on earth and we need to maintain that. We need to bring it back. And it's you and every one of you and your friends, everyone you talk to, you need to reach out and communicate the truth that this nation not only can be great again, it can continue to be the light of the world. How many nations have tried to copy our Constitution and it? they're better for it, but no one has been able to duplicate the wonderful things that we have been given our birthright, and everyone that lives and resides in this nation, we've got so many things to be grateful for. But we cannot be timid, we cannot relax, we cannot allow the shift and change that has created a federal government that feels it can control the states, forgets its birthright and power, and everything comes from the people and their states. And I am so proud to see so many of you here today and it makes me joyful. We need to go on, build the momentum, and Minnesota will join the others. And this will happen. Thank you.
2: Heavenly Father, we thank you for your many blessings. We ask for your guidance today and in the days ahead. We ask that you bless this wonderful group of American patriots and all those across the entire country. We know that our freedom and our liberty come from you, Lord. We ask that you extend the hand of divine providence to enable us to pass that freedom and liberty on to our children, our grandchildren, and the generations that follow. Our trust is in you, Lord. Amen. Would you remain standing please and face the flag for the Pledge of Allegiance. Veterans may use the hand salute. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Wow, what a turnout. This is fantastic. Where's that busload from Alexandria? Wow! <laughs> fantastic my name is Steve Davidson and I'm a volunteer for the Convention of States and I'm here because as a Vietnam veteran I swore an oath like many of you have to protect and defend this Constitution against all enemies foreign and domestic and that oath does not expire until I do I'm here because I want to fight for my kids and grandkids and for your kids and grandkids. I fear the life they will have when that twenty trillion dollar plus immoral federal debt comes crashing in on their lives. I fear for the life that our kids and grandkids will have when that hundred trillion dollars in unfunded liabilities from the federal government that comes crashing down on their heads. I fear The life they will have with regulations after regulations created by unelected and unaccountable bureaucrats enter every nook and cranny of their life and destroy their liberty. And I fear for the life our kids and grandkids will have if they are governed by a ruling elite in Washington, D.C. who believes that sovereignty lies within their own political power and money from special interests. It is time, ladies and gentlemen. This is the moment when we, the people, need to stand up and use this fantastic tool. How do we actually do this? Well, the Founding Fathers, how do we re-educate these people in Washington, DC, and let them know that it's we, the people, that the Constitution says has sovereignty in America? They need a lesson. And the question is, what actions do we take? How do we actually accomplish that? We talk about this all the time in coffee shops and every gathering around. But what can we actually do to make it happen? Well, the good news is that the founding fathers, in their God-given brilliance, recognized that America would someday be in this situation. And they provided us with a tool, a weapon, the authority, a gift, to use exactly for a time like this. And it's found in Article 5 of the United States Constitution. It gives we the people, working through our state legislators, the opportunity to propose amendments to the US Constitution. And with properly written and clarifying amendments to that Constitution, we can once again be a country that is governed with the consent of the governed, and once again be a country with a government of, by, and for the people. Okay, we are going to interrupt this program for one more special state legislator to introduce herself, Uh, Representative Cindy Pugh.
6: I'm State Representative Cindy Pugh. I hail from Chanhassen, represent House District 33B, um, which is the northern part of Chanhassen and nine of the 16 cities surrounding Lake Minnetonka. I am just thrilled to be here today and to look around and see lots and lots of familiar faces and and quite a few new ones as well. Um, I just want to say that um, there are many issues that legislators um, hear from their constituency about and that you have been very, very vocal. I have felt an incredible amount of support from you, and um, prior to becoming a legislator, this is my third term, um, I co-founded the Southwest Metro Tea Party in 2010. And you know, what the, the work that we did, I, I felt that the, the movement then, um, which is still very much alive today, you may not see um, the Tea Party uh, carrying signs and whatnot, but they are definitely there and involved in, in legislating and in engaging in, in organizations really throughout the state of Minnesota and our nation. In fact, my husband, prior to uh, having co-founded the Southwest Metro Tea Party, I served as a manager at Dayton's for 17 years, including the general manager of the Dayton's downtown St. Paul store here. And after I had left, my husband's friends were saying to him, Cindy, uh, where is Cindy working these days? Knowing that, you know, I, I wasn't working, but I was uh, I was doing it with the tea party. And my husband would say to his friends, she's working to save our nation. And which is exactly what we were doing every single week for the better part of five years. I feel that what is happening here today and it, what has been building is very analogous to the Tea Party movement. This is, a, this is a movement of we the people. If not us, who? And if not now, when? And you know, I, I have two pocket constitutions that I carry with me. Um, the, the one that I've had for years, I have my rubber band around it. It no longer stands on its own. But I've referred to Article Five many, many times, and I'm very, very inspired by what um, what we can do, what we must do. This is definitely a call to action. This is this is a time that it's it's going to be up to us um, and the response to act on the delegated responsibility that that we have been authorized with in the constitution so anyway i'll just leave it at that Um, i'm just delighted that you're here and i thank you for your support
2: at this time it is my great pleasure to introduce to you the author of in the arena combat veteran of iraq and afghanistan founder of the concerned veterans of america and Fox News co-anchor, Minnesota's own, Pete Higstead.
7: I'm here for the same reason you're here because Minnesota needs to become the 13th state to join the movement to take our country back. And knowing a little bit about Minnesota and a little bit about Minnesota politics, the men and women that we just heard speak are exactly the type of people that I want to be locking shields with at the beginning of this fight. We'll We'll get the leadership. Because the leadership, the leaders lead at the beginning, then the people, and the people lead, the leaders go with them, and then the leadership and the political animals jump on, and then they want to be a part of it. Okay? It's our job to make it, to dare them not to be a part of what the people want and the people demand. I am absolutely honored to be here today. I want you to know, I, I get a chance to do a lot of fun things, and a lot of it I get paid for. This I do not get paid for, they don't pay me a dime. I fly around the country for this cause with Mark Meckler, who you're gonna hear about, and others to other states, we talk to donors, whatever it takes, because I truly believe that Convention of States, this organization, this movement, and this moment is the vehicle by which us patriots can preserve our republic given to, her by, given to us by our founders. you know it you can you can talk all you want about why it's the right thing to do and we we heard some very articulate senators and representatives talk about why article 5 is important why our founders gave us this two days before the convention was over a pathway by which the people the states could take the power back if the leviathan of the federal government became so large that it started infringing on us to take away the rights we fought a revolution to get. In fact, every once in a while, I, I, I socks are sometimes a thing for me, and I and I, I have a pair of socks I call them my Brexit socks because I wore them the day the day of Brexit and during the election and i think this movement is so important that i'm sporting my brexit socks today as well i don't know why it's socks but but you know who you know who beat the brits for the brexit you know who beat the brits for the brexit these guys right here so here's what i want i want a revolution without the bullets I want the people to take their country back by petitioning their legislatures and I want a movement so big that that convention happens and the the runaway nature of our federal government is reined in and you know who would love every minute of it? Every single one of our founders who no longer has to be rolling in their grave with what's happened to our country. So like I said, it's one thing to talk, it's another thing to build a grassroots army capable of delivering on that talk. That's what Convention of States is. Do you know, at first I didn't know what this movement was. I've done a few things in this state and around the country. Everywhere I went, people would come up to me with buttons that said Convention of States. And I'm like, what is this? I don't know what this is. But you're everywhere. You're everywhere and you're motivated and you know your constitution and you love your country. So I started researching it myself and I looked into it, Saw so, this is legit, this is what we need. I read the Liberty Amendments by Mark Levin, yeah. all of these things. So one day I thought, you know what, I'd like to be a part of this group, Do help them out a little bit. So I did what you would do, I emailed the info account, info at conventionofstates.com. Hey, my name's Pete, I'd like to be a part of the movement. It's a good way to test a group. You know, if they don't get back to you, they probably don't have an organization, it's probably not legit. Within two days, well, more less than that, one day, I get an email back and a phone call and I'm talking to Mark and they're saying, what what do you want to do and how can you get it done? And as I've been able to work with him and see what they do around the country, they're building the real grassroots army that you would need to get this across the finish line. Because I don't know if you noticed, there were some code pinkers outside. I don't know if they're here for us, I wish they were. They should be. But them and over 150 other left-wing groups signed a letter, it may even be more than that, Mark, you could tell me, all opposing Convention of States. When Hillary Clinton was on her Why I Lost book tour, it's still going, endless reasons why, she proactively brought up Convention of States in multiple interviews as a threat to the future of our country. If George Soros and Hillary Clinton hate Convention of States, then we're onto something. We are also on to something if Mark Levin and Sean Hannity and Ben Shapiro and Tom Coburn and Jim DeMint are the type of people that have signed on to this project. Another name, another name I would mention, he's not a household name, but he should be. His name is Professor Robert George, Robbie George. He's a constitutional law professor at Princeton University. He was one of my professors as an undergraduate. He's one of the top legal scholars in the country and the world. He's a conservative. He's a rare conservative in the Ivy League. You know he's smart. And he he is a he is a legal advisor to this movement. He's looked at Article 5 like so many others have. Realizes you can be tailored in how you do it. The founders gave it to us so that we could use it, and you can do it in a way that does not provide opportunity for a runaway convention. So when you hear about the idea of a runaway convention, go Read what Convention of States has said to refute it very directly. David Horowitz has a fantastic piece at Convention of States that breaks down why those arguments are no were never valid and based in, false, in falsism, and why we need to refute that argument, win the intellectual argument inside our sphere, then we can go into these state legislatures and tell these committees it's time for a Convention of States. So if this is a movement of you and of us, because without you, it literally doesn't happen. I'll close with three things. this is so important that i talk about every time i speak one history is not over it's not over it's literally our republic as it exists today is not inevitable that's the second point history is not over and america is not inevitable we like to think we'll be the richest and the most powerful and the most free and the biggest army and all those things forever but there's no reason why that tell that to the romans tell that to the greeks tell that to everybody it's not over and it's not inevitable but i will tell you this If the 21st century is not an American century led by by America, the 21st century will not be a free century. It just won't be. Who else is it gonna be? The Russians? The Chinese? The Communist Chinese? Maybe the international bureaucrats? How about the Islamists? The Europeans? There's nobody else out there and there's nowhere else to sail to. Either we save America and restore it to its founding principles, or we will lose America. That's what you understand, that's why you're in this arena. It's what we need to teach to our next generation. And it's, I've got little kids and you do and you've got grandkids. It's why I'm doing this. And I used to say, I wore, I wore, now I wear makeup. I used to wear camouflage, it's really sad. But I say to them, I wore camouflage. I carried a rifle on the battlefield so that you don't have to fight. I used to say that. It's a, it's a comfy platitude. That's not for me, it's for everybody that's done that. So many of you, I know, have worn the uniform. A lot of this movement is a part of people who understand serving something greater than yourself, and that's what this movement is about. But I, I, I don't, you can say that, like, the World War II generation got to say that because they beat the Nazis, right? When you beat the Nazis, you get to tell the next generation, you take some time off because we, we, just, we just saved the world. I don't say that to my kids anymore. I, I fought knowing that my kids are going to have to fight as well. My job is to prepare them to enter the arena and be patriots for their country. I will not have done my job if I haven't done everything I can as a free citizen who has to keep himself free, and his family free, and his community free, if I didn't do everything I can to help Convention of States in every way possible. That's why I believe if you wanna save your country, you're not gonna do it. God bless Donald Trump. God bless what he's doing. But you see how they fight him. And despite his jokes, which the fake news media can't translate, he won't be president forever. So when he isn't president forever, someone else is going to be in that Oval Office, and they can have a very different view of the world. Something like Convention of States carries on. And I'm telling you, there's no type of grassroots, I've run grassroots organizations. When you have a group where in order to save your country, you lobby your state rep, you know you're on to something that can be accomplished because I know my state rep. My state rep's name is Bob Detmer. I grew up in Forest Lake, Minnesota. He taught me how to do push-ups in high school gym class. I could call him right now on my cell phone. That's how grassroots efforts happen when you have relationships and you can convince people it's the right thing to do. It's harder for me to reach Tom Emmer or Jason Lewis or someone else in Washington, D.C., but I can talk to my state rep. And that vote in that committee and in this legislature goes, adds to the other states and pretty soon you have the 34 necessary for that constitutional, that convention to be called. Then you have an opportunity to do great and big things in a limited scope that limits the size and scope of what the federal government can do, which is what I know our founders intended. So I'm honored to be here. I will keep forward in the fight. I ask only that you do the same. And this is our opportunity to save our country. Thank you very much for being here. Appreciate it. So I've got one more introduction for you, a guy you're going to want to hear from. He's the reason I'm here. His name is Mark Meckler. He's the president of Conve- and founder of Convention of States. He's the guy that's put this grassroots movement together. Now it's not his first rodeo. This is a guy who founded and was the leader of Tea Party Patriots. He's a large part of the reason why the Tea Party movement happened, which is a large part of the reason why things happened in Congress and why we have President Donald Trump today, whether he would take that credit or not. It starts with the people rising up to say we've had enough. Mark Meckler is not only a true believer. That's the biggest part about it. He's not in it for the money. He's not in it for the fame. He's not in it because it's easy. He's in it because he loves this country and the Constitution and he wants to see it returned to the hands of the people. That's why I follow him. I'm proud to say he is the leader of this movement. And if he says jump, I say how high, basically. Uh, and I'm proud to do so. So, you're gonna wanna hear from the man who runs the show, Mark Meckler.
8: That is, that is a hard, that's a hard act to follow in every way. I'm gonna do my best though, and I am gonna do him one better. And this is how we're gonna start because, you know, I had a little incident on Fox and Friends not long ago. Did any of you get to see Pete and I on Fox and Friends together? Okay, so this is an incident, even if you saw it, you won't know about because it took place off camera later on, which is I got a phone call from my daughter and she is a sophomore at Hillsdale College. It's a good school, right? And Lucy did what Lucy always does, which is she had to critique my performance it's pretty good, I think I did okay, and she said this though, Dad. Did you see Pete's socks? Now that's cool. What was with those black things you were wearing? I am nothing if not teachable. And so while Pete Hegseth came up here sporting his Brexit socks, I got the real deal. Come on, we know who won the revolution, right? Just saying, Pete, he's got a lot on me, but not the socks. You know, when I come to something like this, I have to tell you, it is such a privilege to be here, and that's not just rhetoric, it's because I'm with grassroots folks. And that's my favorite thing to do anywhere in the country. And when I come into an event like this, we never know how many people are going to show up in an event. It's kind of one of the weird things, you put together an event like this, you don't know if 20 or 200 or 2,000 are going to show. I had a friend tell me one time a lot of years ago when I was starting to do public speaking, whoever shows up is who is most important. So I usually don't worry about how many people, but Jackie, and you're going to meet Jackie here in a minute, who is our state director, Jackie said, oh, no, it's going to be big. It's going to be big. And I was trying to talk her down off the ledge a little bit, right? She hadn't put something like this together before, and I did not want her to be disappointed by the amount of people that showed up or the enthusiasm of the crowd. And I have to say, Jackie, you have exceeded my wildest expectations. Incredible. And to my friends from Minnesota, I have to tell you, I've been all over the country, I've I've given speeches in a lot of rotundas, best crowd in any rotunda in the country, so give yourselves a hand for that. Seriously. I don't say that to all the girls, that's not just a line. That's the real deal. To the legislators who are here in support of the Convention of States project, thank you for your courage and your bravery. We hear a lot of talk about people from people who oppose the Convention of States and they say, we're scared of, we're afraid of, we fear this, we fear that. And my response is always, this country was not built upon fear, the country was built upon courage. What would the founders say if they heard people today saying we're too scared to use Article 5, right? So to the men and women who came up here, who are members of this legislature, who leave their families and their businesses to come serve, we owe them a debt of gratitude. A round of applause for our legislative support. American heroes in the truest sense. When I travel around the country and I talk about this project, one of the things I hear most often, that is the most offensive thing I hear regularly, is I hear this line. There are no Madison's or Adams or Washington's or Jefferson's or Patrick Henry's anymore. So we can't trust the American people to hold a convention. Let me tell you why that's so offensive to me, because I know you. Because you who sit in this audience are every bit worthy to stand in the shoes of the Founding Fathers and the Founding Families. They were regular people. They were people just like us. Great people arise to fill important moments. They don't create those moments, they arise into those moments. And the army of grassroots that's rising up in the country right now is no less than the army that rose up to fight the American Revolution. You know, in the days of the American Revolution, prior to the Revolution, something that was being said regularly all over the country surprised me. I read this in a history book recently by Bernard Bailyn. What the Patriots were saying is that they actually liked the British form of government. They actually believed that it was the best form of government ever devised by man to preserve human liberty. It's pretty extraordinary because I thought they didn't like their form of government. But here's what they were saying that's so important for us today. They said the branches of government as they've been designed are now all acting as one and conspiring against the people to steal our liberty. Does that sound familiar to anybody? So prior to the American Revolution, in that pre-revolutionary moment, they felt the same as you and I. They felt that they loved their government, but their government had become corrupt and was now acting against the people. Washington. DC. I call it DC because DC stands for they don't care. Washington DC does not care about people like us. And I'm not talking about a single party, I'm talking about both parties. Throughout all of American history, the federal government has done nothing but get bigger and more powerful. There's one exception, the Coolidge administration actually shrank government and most historians say he was the most do-nothing president in history, right? No big programs, no big buildings, no big bridges. And so government grows by its very nature. And so the founders gave us Article 5 to fight back against that. Another argument I hear all the time, and this is a really important one, you're going to hear this, I love the Constitution just how it is. right? I don't want to change a thing. I don't know why you guys want to mess with the Constitution. I already got it, Pat. Pat's looking at me because she had a prop for me. I went back and took it. And so that's what I'll hear, you'll hear, well they'll pull out their pocket constitution, I love this constitution just the way it is, I love it just how it is, we shouldn't change a thing. This is the response, the appropriate response to that. When somebody tells you they love the constitution, ask them which constitution are they talking about? And they will look at you puzzled every single time because most people don't realize this. In America today we have two constitutions. We have the one that all of us know and love that the founders gave us, The original is under glass at the National Archives. It's a beautiful experience to go see that, wait in line. It's worthwhile. And then we have the one that we live under. And the one that we live under is the one that the Supreme Court has spent the last couple hundred years interpreting, the last 115 years destroying. And I'm going to show you what it looks like. That, my friends, is the annotated Constitution of the United States of America. This, by the way, is only the 2012 version. 2,738 pages of opinions. Let's remember these are opinions. Today's version with the supplements is over 3,000 pages. So this is what the Supreme Court is telling us. One of two things. Either, we're all so stupid, we need 3,000 pages to explain four pages of parchment to us. Or, the founders were so stupid that they couldn't clearly write what they meant in four pages of parchment. I say, This has to go. What do you guys think of that? This is what we're about. We're about taking this and moving it back to something much closer to that pocket constitution, to the founder's original intent. And I wanna be specific about some of what I mean because this is important. What are we talking about? First of all, I wanna tell you what my favorite amendment is. If I could propose only one amendment, if I could wave my wand and make it happen, I could put it right there, maybe I might even insert it at the very beginning, it would say this. No, really, we meant it the first time. That's my favorite. And that's really what we're trying to accomplish. Things like this. The federal government, do you think the federal government is doing a good job of managing your money? No, it's terrible. Do we think the federal government should have to live within its means? Yeah, of course we do. So that means we need something like a balanced budget amendment. But a balanced budget amendment alone, I want to caution you, very dangerous alone. I want you to think about this. Do bureaucrats in Washington, D.C. like to tell us what to do? Yeah. It's their lifeblood, right? And so here's the deal. If we get a balanced budget amendment and we say to them, you must balance your budget, you can't spend any more money than this, they're going to say, yeah, but all these wonderful programs we love so much, what are we going to do? Oh, I know, unfunded mandates. We're gonna force Minnesota to run all these programs. We're gonna tell them what all the rules and regs are. We're gonna make them tax their citizens to death to run these programs. That's how we're gonna get around this balanced budget thing. So you can't have a balanced budget alone. Here's another thing. Anybody think that the federal government actually does real accounting? No, it's all fake. It's unicorns and rainbows. It's off books, it's black book. And so unless you force generally accepted accounting principles on the federal government through an amendment, A balanced budget alone is dangerous. Do I want a balanced budget? You bet I do. Every house needs to live according to its means, but you need other structural amendments. So our first resolution is about putting fiscal restraints generally on the federal government. The last one, I'll save the second because I think it's the best, the last one is term limits. Anybody think that those critters in Congress are there too long? Okay, so 80% of Americans agree with you on that. And I actually think there's a good debate to be had about term limits. We should have that debate. But here's another one. How about term limits on federal judges, including the Supreme Court? What do you guys think of that? Ruth Bader Ginsburg's been on the Supreme Court for 165 years now. (laughs) I think it's time. So we need term limits on federal judges in the Supreme Court, by the way, This is what the founders intended. When the founders formed the Supreme Court, the average age of an appointed justice was 47. Average life expectancy was 54. They didn't expect people to sit on the courts for 30 years. How about this one? Is anybody tired of unelected, unaccountable bureaucrats telling you what to do from Washington, D.C.? Perhaps the most dangerous thing in America right now is the unaccountable, unelected administrative state. It's unconstitutional in my opinion. They are legislating, they are creating penalties, they are serving as courts. I think it's unconstitutional, it has to end. How about term limits for bureaucrats? So these are the kinds of things that we can do in convention. Now here's what those things I just described, they address the symptoms, term limits, people wanting to be there forever, that's a symptom of what's going on in DC. A a bloated budget, out of balance, that's a symptom of the problem in DC. The root problem in DC is that DC does too much of everything. Anybody agree with that? This is the fundamental problem facing Americans today. The scope, the power, the jurisdiction, the overreach of the federal government, they're involved in everything in our lives. They tell us how our cars have to be built, what kind of fuel we can put in them. They're telling us how to use our private property. They're trying to tell us how we can use our firearms and what kind of firearms we have. They're trying to tell us everything about our, in fact, they even tell us now what kind of toilets that we can put in our houses, right? Can you imagine the founders having regulations about what kind of, and by the way, I just want to say for the record, I'm willing to go on the record and publicly tell you when I built a new office in my barn, I put in an illegal toilet. I'm a rebel. I'm a rebel. You're not gonna make me flush my toilet three times. So we can restrain the scope, the power, and the jurisdiction of the federal government. Let me give you some idea of what that looks like. Under the current interpretation of the Commerce Clause, the federal government can do anything, anytime, to anyone. This all started in the 1930s, by the way. This is what they said, there was a farmer in Ohio growing wheat for his own consumption and the consumption of his livestock. And they imposed penalties on him because he breached quotas. He grew too much wheat for his own consumption. And his argument was, hey, it's for myself. You can't tell me what to do. And they said, oh no, interstate commerce clause. And he said, wait interstates I'm not even selling my wheat between states it's not even moving. commerce I'm not doing anything I'm not in business and they said oh no 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 here's how it works because you're not being forced to buy wheat on the open market you are now affecting interstate commerce so what that means is the supreme court has legitimately literally said if you're not doing business you're doing business so we can regulate you anybody think that's outrageous yeah Okay, so we gotta fix that because you ever wonder why we have a Department of Education? I wonder that all the time, right? Hundreds of billions of dollars spent, no improvement in educational outcomes. But here's the most interesting thing. This is what Thomas Jefferson said about public education. He was, by the way, the greatest proponent of public education among the founders. He formed University of Virginia. When he was doing so, one of his friends said, you should get the federal government to give you money for that. That's a really good idea. And Jefferson said, well, I would, except for it's unconstitutional, and if we didn't have an amendment to the Constitution allowing the federal government to be involved in education, they could never do it. You know, I've been through this whole thing, there is no such amendment, right? But the reason that we have that now, the federal government involved in education, is because of the Commerce Clause. Somehow, education affects interstate commerce. By the way, the Departments of Education, the Department of Commerce, the Department of Energy, all these departments, the EPA, operate under Commerce Clause Authority. So if you think we ought to get rid of a bunch of agencies like that, anybody think that? You gotta call a Convention of States. It's the only way. I'm going to close with a story, a history story, and then a call to action for you guys. The history story is this. If you ever watch me Sunday nights, I do a Facebook Live thing called the Battle Cry, right? Anybody ever watch the Battle Cry? Okay, if you do, you get to see me all sweaty in a t-shirt. Usually, I forget I'm doing it. I run in from working chainsaws in the yard and stuff. And if you do that, you get to see my dogs. So I have two great Danes, Gideon and Levi. Gideon a Bible name. And Levi is a name not for the Levites in the Bible, but for Levi Preston. Levi Preston was a captain in the Revolutionary War, one of the original Minutemen. Incredible story, you can find this on the internet. And a a guy by the name of Chamberlain was traveling around the country and he was collecting stories of the original Minutemen and asking them why they fought in the American Revolution. He's collecting these stories, by the way, in 1843. Do the math, that's a long time after the Revolution. The last Minutemen are in their late 80s, early 90s. Now, we all know a lot of people like that now. Back then, that was really rare. Average life expectancy is 54. So he, he crosses paths with Levi Preston. Preston is now living in North Carolina, but had originally fought in the original battles at Lexington and Concord. And Mellon Chamberlain asks him a series of questions about the Revolution. At first he asks them, well you were 23 years old, and you went out to fight in the Revolution. You went to face the Redcoats. There's the call to go face the Redcoats. And he asks him, why did you go out and fight? You're a 23-year-old father, a farmer, not a soldier, and you went to face off against the greatest fighting force in the world. Was it the Stamp Act? Or were you just offended by buying those stamps and having to put them on all your documents? Preston says, son, I never bought a one of them. The governor locked him in the armory, and that's the last we heard of that. So he thought, okay, well, that's what he had learned about the revolution. So then he asks, well, maybe it was the tax on tea. You were offended by paying the high taxes on the tea. And he said, I was a farmer. We never drank any tea. We drank coffee. Okay, so two other I don't know about you guys, I learned those are the reasons for the American Revolution, right? Then he asked him, well, maybe you were reading the great revolutionaries, you were reading Burke and Milton, and he said, I never heard of those men. We read the Bible, Psalms, the Almanac. Those men you speak of, I've never heard those names. So obviously, Mellon Chambers is a little bit confused because his whole idea about what the American Revolution is about is slipping away before his eyes as he's asking Captain Preston a, an actual revolutionary, the questions. So he goes big. And he says it was british tyranny right you were just tired of the heavy hand of british tyranny and that's why you went out to fight and preston says tyranny never felt a whit of it so strange and chamberlain says well what is it then why did you go to fight those redcoats that day and preston expresses what i think is the greatest summation of the american political philosophy during the revolution and still today and he says this son When we went out to face them redcoats, we meant only one thing. We had always governed ourselves, and we always intended to. And them redcoats, they intended that we shouldn't. That's it. And I would argue today, and you tell me if you agree, that we feel like people in Washington, D.C., think that they can tell us what to do, and they don't want to govern ourselves, But we have always governed ourselves, and we always intend to govern ourselves. Are you with me? Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. The reason it's such an honor to stand up here is because you're there because you are the revolution. This is the next American Revolution. Pete likes to say this is a revolution without the bullets. And that's what this is. The founders gave us this. And we not only were given this gift, but along with it, we were given a sacred and moral obligation to act when the time came to act, to save the country when the time came to save the country. And that time is now. You have members of this legislature that have been willing to stand. It is important that you support them and thank them. And to the members who have not yet come on board, it is important that you reach out to them and ask them to join this incredible cause. This is what we are here to do. We are here to do nothing less than save the nation. I told you my daughter is a sophomore at Hillsdale College. My son is a 22 year old Marine. Both of them are in the fight to save the country. And I will fight as long as they will have me in the fight. Thank you for having us today. You guys are awesome. before we go, there's an incredible team of people rising here in Minnesota that are responsible for the movement here. Guys like Pete and I, we can show up and speak, but we can't get everybody in the building. It takes a team of volunteers to do that, and it always takes one person who's spearheading the effort. One person, the greatest kind of leader, the leaders that we bring up in the Convention of States movement are people that we call servant leaders. We believe in servant leadership. Leadership is developed by serving, and true servants end up being the leaders of our organization. And in this state, you have somebody who has risen up, who has taken the reins of responsibility, who helped organize all this. I know she's gonna defer a bunch of the credit to your to her team, but it's my privilege and honor to introduce you to our state director, Jackie Burns.
1: Hi, everybody. I, you know, I don't have any experience doing this sort of thing, and I don't have any experience in public speaking. So I really appreciate having your support out there. I'm not a pro, uh, but I did make some notes. So what what I want to say to you is that is most important. You learned the what. What what is happening with our country and you learn what we can do about it okay so now we have a head full of knowledge and we feel good about coming together feels good yes yeah Yeah. so now we feel good about this what I can't hear you okay Ooh, now I have power okay so so we feel good now where do you go from here if you go home and don't take any action this feeling is going to fade i promise you it won't last forever and in your heart you're going to feel that little burn that says you're not honoring what you know you need to do and i was there I'll tell you what, I joined Convention Estates about a year ago as a district captain and I didn't want to. I didn't want it. And shortly after that, I became a grassroots coordinator and I didn't want to. And after that, I became the state director and I really didn't want to. And not only that, so you know uh, who you're looking at here, I didn't know and most of the time I don't even know what I'm doing. Just so you know. So it takes a team. I, I mean I, I I can get all kinds of accolades for being a leader, but if you don't have a team, you don't have squat. So here's what we need in Minnesota. We have about thirty district captains, and the district captains are the state directors in their districts. We, they're essential and if we had it so we have a hundred and thirty four districts in Minnesota so if we only have 30 district captains just imagine what we could do if we had district captains in every district we could move this along so fast think about it now can you hear it in your head yeah but uh, I don't know how. Somebody else more powerful is going to come along. Or maybe somebody that knows more. May- maybe somebody with more whatever. Because I lived my life out of I'm not it. I'm not it. And I was listening to Mark Levin one night, and a caller called in and said, Mark, you should do this. And you know how crotchety he gets? And he said, I gave you something to do, I wrote a whole book on it what are you going to do? And I thought, okay, Jackie, how long are you going to pretend that he's not talking to you? Oh, I wish I hadn't listened to that podcast. (laughs) So, it's going to take all of you. Everybody can do something. And there are times, because we're volunteers, I'll tell you. Oh, I made notes. I forgot to look at my notes. Uh, so we're building. We're building. Let's see. I have to look at it. We're building a strong, engaged army of grassroots activists. Now, when I think in terms of what a grassroots activist is, I think, well, that's not me. You know, I, I want to stay home and get lost in a movie. I want to eat a bowl of popcorn. I am an engaged grassroots activist and you know what, my team showed me how, there's support uh, from our uh, national level, we have webinars, so when people join the team, because honestly my indoctrination into Convention of States wasn't very uh, pretty, uh, because I I didn't know very much, I, I struggled with the tools. We have a brand new database which is such a gift, It's very slick. So we're giving, given every opportunity to learn how to be a citizen activist. And aside from that, you have the support of the team. And by, by, with the support of the team, we're not going to ask anything of you until you're ready. Because there's, there's quite a learning curve to it. So I ask that you go to the website, Conventionofstates.com, there's a take action link. It will display every volunteer position in the state. Click on them, it'll tell you a, a brief description and the approximate time commitment that it takes. When you join, I get your application and get to talk to you. And talking to the people all over the state is my biggest pleasure. It really is. I get to talk to passionate patriots, all across the state I believe that this work is my most holy work so join us because you know that you're going to feel guilty as hell leaving here and not taking action so start start where you start there's a position for everyone I promise you and you know what? I'm having the time of my life. And I know I can say it to you all, and you'll get it. I mean, if I talk to people that don't know what I'm doing, you mean you do that for free, Jackie? No. I'm given more vitality and passion in my life than I've had in so long. So I've been weepy today because I love love my team I love the work that I'm doing, and I'm honored to be used by God, that I know His hand is in this. His hand brought you here today, so that you could hear this message, so that you could rise to the occasion, because if you don't do it, who will? So if you want to know what a grassroots patriot looks like, hold up a mirror and look in it. That's you and you and you. I don't see anybody here that isn't. It's just a matter of will you. And I think that's about all I have to say about that. God bless you guys. Thank you for coming here.
0: To learn more, visit conventionofstates.com.